Welcome back to today's second episode of Strategic Alternatives, the RBC M&A podcast. I'm Vito Sperduto, Global Head of Mergers and Acquisitions. As always, I'm joined by Larry Grafstein, Deputy Chairman of Global Investment Banking, and our guest today, Josh Rosenbaum, Global Head of Industrial and Diversified Services. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. Good to be back. Josh, one of the things that's been fascinating, Vito mentioned the the incredible uh, up and down of cycles the last couple of years, going back even before the pandemic. But one of the things we can't resist asking you about is building products where you're a leading expert and and the housing market and the effect on you know the all sorts of issues around housing and the building product cycle, which is always very sensitive as it relates to the economy. Give us a little bit of an outlook on that sector and also a little bit of insight as to what you're seeing. It's been quite remarkable. Like we all know, um, in 2022, as people were looking at 2023, just like, um, you know, kind of the overwhelming consensus was it was going to be a very difficult year for the markets. I, I think people would have said it would be just as or even more difficult for anything tied to construction, which historically has been incredibly interest rate sensitive. Uh, yet here we are with over 7% mortgage rates, and uh, the home builders have been some of the, you know, the, the best performers out there, period. The part of the equation, historically, it was, you know, it was kind of um, reasonably airtight in terms of determining kind of the environment uh, for building and construction spaces. Okay, tell me where um, interest rates are and tell me where unemployment is. And that's really the disconnect, is because you have very high rates, but we have low unemployment. So it's very unusual. And, you know, um, experts, I've been, you know, so I've been covering the sector for a long time. People that have been covering it for even longer than I have really haven't seen anything like this. So as long as you have unemployment low and people could cover their payments, 7% or otherwise, there's going to be some activity. You also have this nuanced activity, which is, you know, made made headlines is that a lot of people that are locked in at, you know, uh, mortgage rates that are two and a half to four percent, they're not selling. So there's no supply out there. So any new lots that come on, whatever set portion of the population needs a home, whether it's a job, family, expansion of the family, other circumstances, this is supply and demand. If there's very little supply, demand doesn't have to be through the charts and that demand will drive pricing. So that's what's been going on. You know, obviously, if rates come down and uh, unemployment remains low, this space could get beyond interesting. Interesting as it is right now, residential's holding in there. Non-residential people are worried about the office. Uh, I don't have to belabor that too much, but it's a little bit of a zero sum. Um, You know, high-rise urban pressure on, uh, especially office, but there's a lot of suburbanization offices that are needed. There's onshoring. I'm not just talking about, you know, huge battery semiconductor plants, but all sorts of onshoring in the, uh, you know, industrial manufacturing sector that's helping out. So things are holding in there well. It's actually been a pretty good market for building and construction. Josh, you know, we just had a couple episodes recently where we talked about the changes that we're seeing in the private equity markets and also uh, at how leverage finance is impacting that. I would say that there haven't been as much in terms of monetizations. And it feels like they've been holding portfolio companies longer, which is interesting. I was just reading that um, the average hold period this year is about 5.6 years in private equity portfolios, which doesn't seem like a long period, but it's up about half a year versus where it is traditionally over history. Do you see a strong wave 
of potential companies coming to the market in 24? Do you think that the equity markets starting to be constructive is helping in that regard? Yes. I feel that the private equity market, even as we you know, sit here doing this podcast, is moving in the right direction. Um, you're talking about some of the most innovative, creative deal makers out there. Most of the deals, the, the regular way LBO has effectively been for industrials, it has been incredibly dormant since the beginning of 2022. The deals that we're seeing get done are largely deals where the existing seller rolls a lot, so reduces the need for debt, or even 50-50 deals where you can keep the capital structure in place. We're seeing a lot of structured paper, earnouts, anything to bridge this bid-ask gap. And I'll go back to the fundamental. This is math. I would say for most of 22 into the beginning of this year, a lot of reasons deals weren't getting done. It's just it's just too much macro uncertainty. You know, if you're making a big bet, especially a lever bet, into you know a, a rising rate environment with all the geopolitical you know circumstances, you know it's kind of like as as innovative and risk taking as private equity may be. That's a lot. You couple that with leverage. That that's a lot to take on. I think right now. As I said, the fears have abated that uh, we're going to a really bad place in terms of performance. So right now, it's just deal-making. It is just bridging this bid-ask gap. It's okay. We've got base rates of 5% plus. You know, the junior capital is going to be expensive. It's going to be double-digit. We haven't seen that for a while. You know, we got used to, to the junior capital being as low as 5 6%. Okay, so that's the cost of the capital. How do we get this deal done? So... You know, if you're a private equity seller, the way you, you do that is you roll a portion of the equity, you maybe uh, take something in the form of an earnout, you get creative there to get to a headline price and multiple that works for you. If you're the buyer, ditto, you introduce, um, you know, structure because the old six to seven times leverage and, you know, add on another five to six turns of equity that had been prevalent for years and years and years and was driving multiples, that's just harder to do right now. But I really feel that for a five-year hold, you look out, you feel like performance is going to be good, you're going to see very innovative, smart people come up with solutions, structured solutions to get deals done. And are you seeing them be competitive with the corporates as they're considering buying carve-outs and the like? Because to date, like if we look at this past year, I would tell you that the corporates have you know, outperformed the private equity firms just given that they had much better capital to play with. Absolutely. It was a corporate market. I think for assets where there's not a natural corporate buyer or the corporate buyer, for whatever reason, is distracted and the, the buyer's going to private equity, you're having to see these customized solutions, which is good for bankers. You know, it's interesting. The bankers can get creative. You know, we've been spending days on a couple of situations just brainstorming on how to bridge this bid ask. But listen, where there's a natural corporate buyer with synergies and their cost of capital, in theory, they should prevail. I think, Vito, as you know, on BAE, that was the situation. Private equity was looking at it. But at the end of the day, BAE, with their balance sheet and cost of capital, they were going to prevail. Well, Larry and Josh, thank you so much for the conversation today. Certainly, it's been a great follow-up to some of the dialogue we've had in recent podcasts, especially as we talked about the private equity markets and leveraged finance markets with John Kokonos and Harold Vera recently. It was great to hear Josh's perspective on what's going on the remainder of this year and into 24, and especially with fresh insight from many corporate CEOs who just attended our Global Industrials Conference. And I was struck by Josh's observations about 
confidence in the economy generally because there's a very diverse group of companies that his group covers. So many of our clients have taken the time in the last few years to really prepare their businesses. And so one of the things that we're seeing is that whether it's been through deleveraging, whether it's been to portfolio shaping, they're readier now than at any time in history to execute on whether it's transformative M&A or add-on M&A. And so that's why we continue to believe that there will be a strong transaction environment through the remainder of this year, but especially as we go into 24. You've been listening to Strategic Alternatives, the RBC M&A podcast. Join us for more analysis about what's moving the M&A markets in our next episode. If you'd like more information on the topics discussed today, please contact us directly or visit rbccm.com forward slash strategic alternatives. Today's podcast was recorded on September 18th, 2023. If you're enjoying Strategic Alternatives, don't miss an episode. Subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please drop us a review and or comment. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives. For disclosures, please visit www.rbccm.com disclosure.